0: at a reception in Moscow. Now on a summer evening 33 years later, a crowd had come to bury Iron Felix. His pedestal had already been defaced with inscriptions like Antichrist and Bloody Executioner, and the crowd shouted epithets like Hangman. Somebody had scrawled swastikas on the Lubyanka. Although the building was dark, the curtains inside were seen to twitch. Armed guards were in place to resist any effort to storm the place. Several men scaled Iron Felix and draped wire ropes around his neck and arms. Others applied a blowtorch to the brass rods securing him to the monument's base. The idea was to attach ropes to a truck and pull down Iron Felix in a resounding crash. But Moscow City officials, who had rushed to the square on getting word of the gathering, begged the crowd to resist. The officials understood the popular desire to shatter totalitarianism, as one later put it, but they were worried that a toppled Iron Felix could rip a gaping hole in the square and possibly harm the demonstrators as well. They bargained with the crowd, promising to send for a crane to take Iron Felix away safely. After several hours, two cranes arrived. As legend has it, one of them came from a construction site at the U.S. Embassy, a few miles away on the Garden Ring Road. According to one version of the tale, American officials at the Embassy happily offered use of the crane for such an agreeable purpose as getting rid of Iron Felix. According to a second version, it was actually the leaders of the Lubyanka-Plochade crowd who somehow managed, on their own, to snatch the crane from the Embassy site. None of these stories were true. A Moscow city official at the scene borrowed both cranes from an Austrian businessman using them for a hotel construction project. The legend, though, was understandable, because the American superpower was widely believed to have a hand in everything happening to bring an end to the Soviet regime. President George H.W. Bush had strongly associated America with the street hero of the moment, Boris Yeltsin who, three days earlier, had stood on a tank outside the Russian Parliament building to denounce the coup plotters. Appreciative Muscovites had filed past the American embassy, chanting, Bush, Bush, Yeltsin, Bush. Again, a cable was draped around the neck of Iron Felix, and now one of the cranes lifted the giant statue off the pedestal. For several minutes, Iron Felix dangled, suspended in the air, as if by a hangman's noose. His shadow appeared on the Lubyanka, the apparition cast by the bright lights of the television crews at the scene. As the crowd burst into applause, fireworks exploded in the Moscow skies. "'I am a World War II veteran. I lived through lies all my life, but I am glad I lived long enough to see this,' a spectator, Alexander Lipich, told an American journalist. A British foreign correspondent later wrote that, To be part of such a crowd was to be given the nearest thing to Grace in a world from which God had long since departed. Iron Felix was spat on and kicked and then carted away, face down, on a flatbed truck. In the light of the morning after, young fellows chipped away at the granite base. They were looking for souvenirs and maybe something more valuable. Rumor had it that the Communist Party's gold was buried under Iron Felix. Two years earlier, young people a thousand miles to the west had chipped away at the fallen remains of the Berlin Wall. Iron Felix's demise was Moscow's Berlin Wall moment, and for amazed Americans watching the pictures on CNN, this was another reason, even a bigger one, to exult. After all, this was not a distant frontier of the Soviet Empire. This was ground zero. There was relief and satisfaction all over the country. "'The trail of freedom reaches tyranny's epicenter,' the New York Times declared in a headline. The new head of the KGB was, "'A Democrat whose passions include Elvis Presley,' the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported. Two months earlier, on his maiden trip to the United States, Yeltsin himself had extolled America as the model for a democratic revolution in Russia." We're only toddlers compared to you. We have a lot to learn," Yeltsin said, to applause from his audience at the National Press Club in Washington. Polls showed that three.